Hey, Randy. So thanks so much for joining me and taking the time to talk with me about your career. So first off, uh, I know you can be heard alongside Carmen and Yurko throughout the week. What is your average day like in the, in the sports media business? Well, you know, obviously with the pandemic, it has changed dramatically. Um, so I'm also the assistant program director for the station. So I kind of balance both responsibilities of producing Carmen and Yurko. I usually, like the night before, uh, will text with both guys, kind of run more Carmen um, ideas for like guests and different things we can do. Um, so I have a, a basis when I come in every morning with, you know, what's set up already. And then I usually have a couple meetings in the morning through some stuff for like scheduling and other, other uh, system program director duties. And then uh, I usually meet with Carmen and your colleague for 20 or 30 minutes. Now with your code homies on the phone and we kind of just go through what, you know, for having a guest down, what we should talk to him about topics, other stuff Carmen wants to get to usually. And your usually chimes in with his uh, interesting uh, take on things. You know, that, that usually leads us up to like 11, 15, 11, 30. I'll go back to my desk, finish up a couple other things that I have to do scheduling or sending different grids out. And then Carmen and I will record a video for Instagram promoting the show then we just get go in there and get ready to do the show for uh you know for two hours. How did you get started in I guess sports media in general? Like, was it something that you always wanted to get into, or how did that kind of come about? Well, I, I I always wanted to be an athlete. Like that was my thing. Like I you know I'm growing up like a uh, little league. I was pretty good. You know, um, uh, I was like I think the first nine year old to develop arm problems. So, but um, I after that, like I knew I wasn't going to be obviously a a major league athlete. So uh, my high school radio station, WHFH in Homewood Flossmoor High School was like insane. Like it had equipment and had a frequency that like some professional stations didn't have. So uh, I got way into that. Uh, you know, my brothers both did it. So I, I was broadcasting all the, all of our basketball game, my junior and senior year, I basically broadcast every basketball game we had, every football game and our football team was excellent. So, um, you know, then I had a talk show and I just didn't book, not that I didn't mind. I loved having all, you know, uh, high school athletes on friends of mine, but I would book, like go after big names, you know, like in the sports world. And back then you're talking 1987, 88, it was much easier to book big names than it is now because, you know, there wasn't a saturation of media like there is now where everyone's going after the same people. So, um, you know, it, it kind of gave me. Uh, a good, good baseline or a good, you know, foundation of, of uh, how I wanted to get in this. And it really kind of toughened me up, you know, because uh, our, our director, Bob Comstock um, was the best and taught and Dell Kennedy Fader. They taught us so much. So that's where I got started. And then, you know, and I went to Wisconsin, I didn't really do, I did some internships there, but um, didn't do a ton of stuff with the state, the college station. I uh, got a couple great internships after that. WGN Radio was awesome. I worked with so many great people there. Dan Filato, Chuck Swirsky, Wayne Larrabee, Tom Brenneman. Um, great. Loved it. So, and then uh, had a couple, you know, I, they don't do it anymore, but I did the small radio thing. I went to Platteville for nine months. The Bears were there still. Uh, that was great. And then from there, I went to Freeport, Illinois for like three months. That was an interesting experience. Uh, I spent 12 years at a great national network called Sporting News, 101 Sports, and it became Sporting News Radio. That's where basically where I like, I mean, I just learned a ton and learned a ton about myself. We went to a ton of events, ton of Super Bowls, Final Fours, NFL Draft, you name it, we were there. 
And then after they moved to LA, I came to ESPN uh, 1000, thanks to Adam Delavitt, and uh, the rest is history. I've been there ever since. Yeah, I love how you mentioned that you know you wanted to be an athlete because I was going to say I know a lot of kids growing up obviously want to be an athlete, playing in the NFL, NBA, whatever. And for me personally, I mean, I'm sure you know when I was seven or eight, I was playing you know roller hockey and watching it on TV and wishing you know I was an athlete in some way. But I really got into the sports media side of things kind of randomly since college. I was like, never really I, I wanted to work in sports, but I didn't know what I was going to do or how that was going to happen. And I ended up like I mentioned, I got a few internships in minor league baseball and got to ch- got a chance to see what it was like from the media side of things. And then it, on my own kind of getting into writing and kind of figuring it out as I go. And one of the things, obviously I, I've really liked being able to see where the videos that you've been posting on Twitter recently over the last uh, few months of how you've been able to interact and book a lot of these, you know, famous people, athletes, uh, coaches. So I was curious, are there any, I know you've been obviously doing this already, but uh, of all the people that you've been able to book for shows in the past, are, is there like an all-time favorite athlete or person that you were able to get? You know, like, it's so funny because, you know, when I, when I first started doing those stories, I was, you know, I was driving home one day from work, you know, after this, the whole thing started with COVID-19 and I was like, boy, you know, I, I need to do something. I need a project. I need something to keep me going and maybe in a, in just a small way I can, you know, uh, help other people out just a little bit, you know, nothing, I wasn't expecting anything major, right? Whatever, just something to, and I'm like, you know what? People have always told me in the past that my, my guest booking stories are kind of funny and interesting. So I'm like, why don't I just start recording those? You know, and if they, you know, whatever people, whatever, if I get a few, you know, responses, if someone makes someone smile, great. I done my job for the day. And the first one I did is one of my favorites, which is, and if you ask me, like, I really can't pick one story that's awesome. There's like five or six that I like. There's a couple stories that I said to myself after I, I was done. I'm like, you know what? I, I can do it in this industry. I, I, I'm good. I'll be good in this industry after, you know, I have the confidence now. And, and um, it was uh, a couple times after booking George Steinbrenner, who I'm sure the kids under 35 or 30 don't even know who he is. But, like, he was, he was it. You know, like, if you can get George Steinbrenner on the phone – uh, you're doing something. And I got him a couple times and more than a couple times. Like I used, like he, I think he almost knew who I was at the end. There was, I was, you know, I call him in the hotels all the time and he was always super nice. And I think he said no a couple times, but he was always very nice about it. So, but there's that. And you know, there's, you know, when you do this for a living, like I was taught early on, expect to be yelled at, expect to be called every name in the book. Um, and it's like, you know how they say in football, you got to just move the drill when someone gets hurt, you know, when, Someone yells at you, just make the next, make the next call, you know? So, but, uh, I mean, I've loved it. I mean, I've talked to so many interesting people. The story I told last night was Phil Jackson and, you know, like, um, we used to do his show every once in a while at one-on-one sports. When I was there, he had a, a coach's show during the season and it was out of LA, but we did it a couple of times in Chicago. So I got to interact with him and then I had his number. And then when I came to ESPN 1000, Tom told me that he had a relationship with him. So that's really the only way you'll get Phil Jackson most likely. And I ended up talking to him a couple of times and he was always great and made me nervous every time I called him. No, I can tell you, but, um, you know, it, it's almost like it became a challenge for me, like, you know, to find these guys and to get these guys on. And, but you always, you know, the one thing I always take pride in is I've always done it respectively. I've never, you know, tricked people or lied to people or anything like that. I think that's just, you know, a bad way of doing business. But, um, you know, like John McEnroe is a great story. Um, that was a lot of fun doing that one. 
Um, there's like a hitters round table. I, I spent literally from the beginning of spring training in February, I was just determined to get three great hitters together. And then it took like four months. And then the last day, all these guys are hall of famers. One of the hall of famers called up the day off an hour before we're taping it and canceled said, ah, he just, he's, mm. you know, and I was able to get another guy even better. So it ended up working out perfectly, but yeah, you know, I, I love it. Like I, I said to myself, you know, when I was back at one one sports, I said, I was learning from some great people. Um, this guy named Mark Jenskow, who, uh, used to be Czech topics producer. Uh, and I learned a lot from him about guest booking and then other people like Matt Nahagian and Dan Kern. And I was, you know, I was like, if I'm going to do this, let's, let's, let's be great at it. So that's why I, I, this folk, I don't know if I am, I'm not, but I, I know I just try, you know, every day to get it done. So, and you know, I've learned so much. I try to take, um, something from everyone I work with, because I think you can learn something every day. And so I try to learn something from every person, every host, every other producer I've worked with. And, and you can gleam onto something and it can help you out in the long run. It might not help you tomorrow. might not help you a week from now, but a couple months from now, but you know what? I remember so-and-so said he did it that way. Let me try it, you know? So, yeah, I mean, and I, I love what I do. I love, you know, obviously I'm a huge sports fan, diehard sports fan. And, you know, it's, it's great. And I work with great people. So it's a lot of fun. Love that. Yeah. What is or was at least your favorite team? or athlete, or, you know, growing up as a fan, or even today? So, growing up, I was, like, diehard Cubs. I mean, just, you know, diehard Cubs, diehard Bears, diehard Bulls, diehard DePaul. I mean, people don't remember how good DePaul was with Ray Meyer and Mark Aguirre. Like, that's the first time I ever cried at a sporting, watching a sporting event was when DePaul had a uh, blue uh, lead against St. Joe's when they were the number one seed and lost on a last second layup. But like I was Cubs to the end, you know, I, I mean, I, it's so funny. This industry will change you though. Like just dealing with, you know, I'm not as big a Cub fan as I used to be. I still love the Cubs, but I mean, I was like, you know, 84, you know, was crushing 2003, like brought me to my knees, you know, it was so awful after they were up three, one. Oh yeah. But uh, my favorite player. So my first, favorite cup player was jose cardinal because that's the first baseball card i ever got was jose cardinal so i always loved him and then but once i really became a diehard fan and really understood the game more is rhino for me like um he's he was it like you know just the way he carried himself and the way he played the game i love i just lo- loved rhino and I, I you know i met him a bunch of times and still still to this day excited every time i see him just great guy and boy i, I love love watching him play second base he was awesome yeah, definitely. I actually had a. I'm I'm 31, but I actually had a Ryan Sandberg glove uh, growing up when I was a kid. So, kind of sticks out to me too. Even though I really he was before. Right, me, well, that's good. But, that's good that um, you, you had a glove because you know 31. You're probably so you probably yeah. you probably don't remember a lot of his career then, right? Right. Yeah. Like I have his jersey. In fact, I got his jersey. Uh, the old like Mitchell and Ness, uh-huh. uh, a few years ago. So I I definitely know of Sandberg. But yeah, I'd have to go right. and kind of at least go back and watch his games and stuff. But uh, you know who uh, George Steinbrenner is. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or from, Seinf- from Seinfeld or from just the fact that he was the owner of the Yankees forever? Definitely from the Yankees. And uh, I mean, I, I love Seinfeld too, but I kind of caught on the Seinfeld a little bit late. Uh-huh. So definitely the Yankees. I, I, I used to uh, live in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. So the Columbus Clippers were the uh, affiliate, of course. So right. uh, I really grew up knowing about the Yankees. My uncle was a Yankees fan. So uh, I, I was definitely around for those, the Jeter, Mariano, Rivera years. 
especially in Columbus, kind of seeing that as the affiliate of the Clippers. Your Steinbrenner story right. and the Tom Brokaw story were two that really stood out to me that I remember. And I was like, those are classics. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was a little nervous uh, calling Brokaw because I know he'd just been on the air for like for seven hours. Right. And I was like, man, I'm going to wake this guy up and he is not going to be happy. But he came on. So it was, you know, it's, sometimes you got to, you just got to, you know, get out. through it. So it was good. Is there a guest that you would love to get and you just have never been able to or has there always been one that obviously I guess worked out in some way? You know, there's like obviously like the there's a the wish list that I still have never had on and boy it's gonna be tougher and tougher to get some of these guys like Michael Jordan I've never had. I've talked to him a couple mm-hmm. times. I should say that we had him as a network when I was at one oh one sports when he was playing baseball because we had a uh one of our reporters was very close with him from covering the first three-peat. So he was able to set up an interview when he was at spring training, which was awesome, actually. But I've never got him personally myself. Tiger, you know, I'm a huge golf fan now. So having Tiger on would be great. You know, um, Jerry Seinfeld is, uh, I don't know how, you know, comedians aren't always great over the phone. But that's, that's you know, the Seinfeld was my, is my show. I love Seinfeld. So that's another guy that would probably be uh, right up there. Those are like the, I mean, Jordan's obviously everyone would love to have Jordan on. So, yeah. But, I, you know, I've, I've done pretty, I mean, I think I've, there's not a ton of guys that I'm like, boy, I still need to get him on. But Jordan Tiger are, are you know, and Jerry Seinfeld are definitely on top of that list. That would be, yeah, that would definitely be amazing. Yeah, it was actually when I was in Augusta in 2016, I actually got to go to the Masters for a practice round for like an hour. And it was funny because uh, it was the beginning of the baseball season or we were about to start the season and it was picture day for the team. And as the media marketing intern, I had it, it was crazy already, had to go back and rush around and trying to get the team picture straight. And uh, the team is supposed to wear a certain color. And they're wearing the huh. wrong jerseys, and it's just like, oh, of course, this is like a nightmare. But it all worked out. I wasn't the biggest golf fan, but I really loved being there and being able to take it all in. And I kind of caught that golf fever. But, yeah, I would have loved to have stayed around and seen more of it, but it was kind of a rush. But, uh, yeah, it, we were lucky to even just get in there for an hour. But um, have you ever been? Never been. I, I still have to get there some. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I love golf. I've been, I've been to, you know, my other job, I used to cover, like, we went to, I've been to, like, maybe seven or eight U.S. Opens and like four or five PGA events. And then with, you know, now I've gone to a couple of the BMW championships, but nothing, nothing beats Augusta. I mean, that's just, you know, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome just to say I was there and see, I don't remember who I saw now golfing wise. It was just a practice round, but I'm sure I saw all kinds of big names that I couldn't even remember now, but as far as just how fast it went. But of course, for Masters Week, it's insane, as you can imagine. And I just remember my apartment was right across the street from Augusta, basically, the, uh, Augusta National. And oh, wow. awesome experience to be there. And for I don't sure. see all that. What is, I don't think you mentioned it, what is your, you mentioned all kinds of events that you've been to. What would you say would be your all-time? Were you at the 2016 World Series in Cleveland or Chicago? Yes, I was there for, um, so I went, we went down, we took like a party bus after Waddle and Sylvie for Game 1 the night before. We left like at 7.30 or 8 o'clock, got there like at 2 or 3 in the morning. Right when I, we got in the hotel, I was like the last one to check in. I look over to my left-hand side, and there was Shaq walking in because the TNT was there because the Cavs were unveiling their banner uh, the same night. They played a game at 5 because the World, and the World Series started like at 7 or 8 or something like that because they're, they're right next to each other, Cleveland, the Cavs Stadium, and then the Indian Stadium right next to each other. So... I was there for the uh, first two games. I did not go back for mm. game six or game seven. I was too nervous. I thought it'd be a jinx. 
So uh, I stayed home and watched uh, Game Six and Game Seven, and uh, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, that, that was that was. Uh, I mean, I never thought I'd see the Cubs in the World Series. So that that was. And I sat with like you know, uh, Waddle, uh, Meller, and uh, Carmen. Would you say that's your favorite all-time event to be at? Yeah, it's it's right up there. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, let's see here. I'm just trying to think. Uh, I mean, going, to, yeah, for sure. I mean, sentimentally, for sure, the Cubs in the World Series won. But going to, you know, covering Super Bowls after the, you know, and we did a bunch of shows after the game, like from the stadium. That's that's pretty awesome. Going to Kentucky Derby once. I don't need to go do it more than once, but going once was was great. You know, the pageantry of that, all for a two minute race. Um, and then, you know, I, I was at, uh, Tiger's, uh, romp at Pebble beach when he won like by 14 or 15 strokes. And then I was at Valhalla when he barely hung on to beat Bob May in a three hole playoff. And, uh, I was standing right next to him afterwards. That was pretty cool. So, uh, but no Cubs, Cubs world series, uh, mm-hmm. number one, I, I went to, you know, I went to Wisconsin. So now I'm just the you know, the biggest Wisconsin fan. And, uh, we were doing our shows from, I think it was the 2000 Final Four when Wisconsin made the Final Four for the first time in like 30 or 40 years. Mm. So I was able to go to that game. They played terrible. It was an awful game. But yeah, uh, that that's that's right up there. Yeah, I can only imagine what it would be like to go to the World Series or Super Bowl or any event like that. Because, you know, you see it on TV. It's millions of people watching on TV. And I don't know. I, I, I wonder, like, once, I mean, you've been there. So is it kind of, is it surreal? Or is it not? I know it doesn't just feel like another game. But being in that stadium with the other, you know, 30, 40 plus thousand fans, does it feel as surreal and as big as it really is? Or does it feel a little different once you're there in person? It definitely feels different. Like you said, it's just another game. Sometimes, like, you know, I think I've been to like, let's see, I think like four or five, maybe six Super Bowls in person. Um, and like they they do, I mean, obviously, the you know, there's so much build up and there's so much there, but like. Once it gets started, you know, you're just like, it's another, it's like just a bigger game, but it's, it's not that yeah. like, it, it's not that much different. So, oh, yeah. uh, but they're awesome. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's so cool being at a Super Bowl, And then, you know, being at the world series is, is, is great. You know, it was, it was so, so different. And, um, you know, I like, uh, final fours are great too. And, you know, like the, the NFL draft is something I didn't mention and that I did for like three straight years. And that's, like I, I'm always amazed, always amazed when we, we did it every year. We did it from uh, the theater at Madison Square Garden, which is connected to Madison Square Garden. It's right next to it. I'm always shocked and amazed of how many people come to this event. I mean, it just like it was so you couldn't move. It was sold out, you know, like and we were in a different area because we were media and we were broadcasting. But like, I just couldn't believe the reaction they were getting from all these draft picks. And back then it was Thursday night, Friday night. It was no, it was. Back then, it was Saturday, all day Saturday, and then Sunday. There was no Thursday night and Friday night. It was just two days, Saturday and Sunday. And people would stay all, and they'd come back on Sunday, you know, and, you know, there, I, I was just, I was always shocked. But uh, very, very cool event as well. That is awesome, yeah. I was curious to get your thoughts real fast on The Last Dance. I know you've obviously been watching that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, to me, the, the key thing, like, a lot of the stuff, obviously, we all knew before, but... Like I think the behind the scenes footage of Michael and his teammates and you know um some of the stories that how Jason Hare has been able to do has just been awesome. It's so great. And um, you know, like some of these stories that like people always said, you know, like the why'd Michael leave for a year and a half, you know, from basketball and I thought they explained it pretty well. 
you know, like that. It's the other, you know, all the theories are debunked kind of. But, um, you know, I had never, I mean, I remember watching it live when the Bulls beat Seattle and seeing him in the locker room, you know, crying and screaming at the cameraman, get out of there, you know, let him be. He's, you know, crying about his dad. But I had never heard that raw audio before. And that was like chilling. You know, I mean, that was like, you know, you're talking about just the guy who, like, in, when he laughed at Gary Payton, and I was still don't understand if he was laughing because obviously he was laughing because, you know, he thought he could take care of Gary Payton whenever he wanted to. But, like, was he laughing because or when, he, when he said, I had other things in my mind, did he not want to finish the series out because the thought of winning a championship without his dad there he couldn't handle? Or I didn't understand, like, when he said, I had other things in my mind. Obviously, he was mm-hmm. talking about his dad. At least that's what I thought. But, um, I mean, he's, listen, he's, you know, he's, he's the greatest. And it's a great reminder of how good he was just, I mean, and how much he impacted everyone, right? I mean, how about the dream team about, you know, like just that whole, and I, I read most of that book. Um, and then I watched, you know, the two hour documentary on the dream team and just, you know, everything about that team, like, you know, was awesome as well. So, um, yeah, I loved it. I've loved it. You know, I'm a, I was obviously love those teams and, you know, I'm bummed out because I had, I bought at least one shirt from every championship if not I, I bought them all I and mean, i would go they would always have met like um ballrooms and hotels these these all these companies would just you know they would open up there and you'd come in and you just go around grab all the shirts buy them all and leave but i don't know what i did with them all because i, I i'm telling you i had like 30 of them and then i can only find like four of them right now so and i'm really bummed i was telling carmen the story the other day that when i was in college so that's 88 to 92 so i think it was Jordan came in the league 84, 84, 85. I think um, there was this rookie card, star rookie card, that which is, I guess, is the most, like, you know, the most exclusive or the hardest to find of his rookie cards. And I went to a card store one day and it was like $750. And I remember calling my dad up and saying, we couldn't, we should invest, buy this card, because I bet you like 15 years from now, we'll be able to like triple or more than our money. And I think the car's worth like 10 or $15,000. Wow. <laughs> my dad said no. So, um, but yeah, I mean like, you know, I mean everything, everything Michael is just, it's worth it, man. He's just, you know, he's yeah, just, he's the, he's the guy, he's the goat. Those Bulls teams are great. And it's just, uh, being able to see it, you know, every week, the, the last dance, seeing all these stories, some that I knew, I didn't quite uh, realize the, the Jerry Krause dynamic of, right. you know, everything that we've seen with Jerry Krause, obviously. So it's really interesting just how everything has played out and the stuff of Pippen. I mean, I always thought of Pippen as, you know, not necessarily, not to not to say he was the Robin to Michael's Batman because, you know, Pippen was his own great Hall of Fame player, but uh, just just some of those 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 aspects of everything sure. too. So definitely been a great ten part series that it's lived up more than lived up to the hype. Yeah, yeah. I'm bummed. I'm bummed. Only got two left. I, I always like to ask anyone I'm talking with, what would your advice be for those that would want to get into the sports industry? Advice. So I would say, you know, learn as much as you can from the people you work with. I would always be. I'd be. You know, reading up on everything you possibly can about. You know, this industry is changing so much right now uh, from when I first started so many years ago in 1994. Uh, you know, they used to always tell you, you got to start a small station. You know, you can't go, but, you know, you got to work your way up. Now it's totally different. But, um, you know, the same basic principles apply even from 1994 to now, right? Hard work, 
build relationships up, um, and try to be the best you can every day. Like, you know, the other stuff, technology and everything that's changed, but the work ethic can, is always there, right. You know, building relationships up, um, that helps a ton, like, you know, uh, getting to know people and, you know, it just, it all helps. Um, and that's the one thing I've always tried to do is, you know, and also like, don't get involved in all of the riffraff or the other stuff. Just worry about yourself, do the best you can and go home every day. You know, uh, don't worry about what other people are doing. Just try to be the best you can be. So that, that's what I tell you. Listen, you know, the industry has changed and who knows, like, you know, a year from now where the industry is going to be, but you know, it's still the same. It's the, you know, the, the same principles are still there. Yeah. And, uh, I, I commend you guys at ESPN 1000 for kind of helping people. I think, as far as just with the whole Corona thing, just, you know, being able to keep doing your thing without live sporting events, because I can't imagine how tough that was, at least at the beginning. And I feel like these days we're kind of getting used to, in a way, getting used to how things are currently, and hopefully things will progress back the other way. Do you think that there will be, in your mind, do you think there will be sports, like baseball, for instance, soon? Or do you feel like that might be a little bit tougher to, you know, kind of get back with the way Corona is impacting right Right. now? You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I have a different opinion each day. Like, you know, one day I'll be like, yeah, I can see this happening. The next day I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's impossible what they're trying to do. It's just how, how could they possibly do something like that? So, um, I'm kind of, I, I don't mean to top out an answer, but I'm indifferent. I just, I just, yeah, I, I'll believe I, it when I see it. I how about agree. that? Like I, there's just so, there's just so much to overcome. You know, I think, I think golf, I just, I just actually yesterday read all the golf stipulations and, I think they've got it pretty good down. Like, you know, that uh, basically they told the golfers, you know, it's you and your caddy, limited amount of time on the range. You take it, the golfer takes the club out, um, you know, and then puts the club back into his bag, no longer just drops in his bag and has the caddy. Like, you know, and then caddy should social distance from the golfer and not be near him. Um, You know, no one outside of basically, I guess they said like once or twice they'll have the swing coach come in, but everyone has their temperature taken in, I guess, every yeah. day, maybe, if I read correctly, that they're going to have a, a test done. And then originally they said it's going to be like a day before they have the results, but then hopefully by the second or third tournament, they'll have it the same day. Um, so I think golf, you know, because golf is made for social distancing. So I think that that'll work. Uh, you know, God bless the UFC. I mean, you know, they're trying but like, you know, I, I don't, I hope football comes back. We all need football more than any sport, but, but that's going to be a tough one. If there's not, if they don't, haven't made a ton of advancements it's just because it's, you know, it's just the whole thing. The thought of like football is, you know, guys, you know, contact. Yeah. So that'll be a tough one, but you know, I hope, I hope we all get things back at some point this year. We need some sort of normalcy. We need to get, we need yeah, to get no, back yeah. to our lives. You know, this is, this is yeah. rough for everyone. So. Yeah, it's just been so crazy to think about the way it's all gone, and like I was saying, it's, it kind of feels like we're sort of not—I don't want to say we're used to it, but we're we're able to kind of get through. But yeah, once everything does start to come back, and even just going from this to going into baseball or whatever it is again, it's like how do we, you know, how do we navigate it? But yeah, hopefully it does come back soon. Right, so. right. You know, and even even if it does come back, it, it won't. You know, it won't be yeah. the same this year, and who knows if it'll be the same next year. And you know, who knows when mm-hmm. fans will ever attend a sporting right. event again? And if they do, you know, like I think, like um, I don't know if it's South Korea yeah. or where they have fans, but it's like every sixth seat or something like that. You know, you're only allowed a certain amount of like 
you know, that'll be to me. That's almost as sad as having no fans. You know, as watching like, you know, like that. That like just like, but I guess listen, you just got to take baby steps, and you know, I mean, we'll get through it. Just it just who knows when? And in college football and college basketball, like who knows when they'll play again? So. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's gonna be an interesting year because I think it's gonna how long this this thing might last, you know, without with effective sports and all that. So yeah, definitely. It's gonna be interesting. Well, Randy, that was this was awesome to talk with you. Thanks so much for just taking the time to uh, tell me about your day in the life with ESPN One Thousand and all the stories that you've accumulated and just keep doing what you've been doing. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me. This was fun. I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, well, anytime yeah, you need me, let me know. Will. I really appreciate that. Yeah, anytime.